0: In this episode, we talk about an adventure in pro-wrestling production and analyze the OA. Then, review the Lego Batman movie and don't think twice. Plus, I have an interview with actor Chin Han, who's in the upcoming Ghost in the Shell. All this and more on the Geek Generation. Hey now, everybody! Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host Rob Logan, and joining me in the studio today is the wonderful Matt West. How are hello, you? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, just a reminder that our podcast recordings are streamed live at Twitch.tv/slash The Geek Generation, where you can watch and chat with other viewers during the show, and you can call in through our Discord channel at thegeekgeneration.com/discord to ask your questions or share your geek outs. You guys can contribute to the conversation now which is one of the exciting things about doing it live. Also, at the end of this episode, I have a quick interview with actor Chin Han, who stars in the upcoming Ghost in the Shell movie, which is set to hit theaters on March 31st. Chin was a great guest. We spent about uh, 16, 17 minutes chatting together, and uh, you guys can hear that at the end of this podcast, which is fantastic. Also, uh, one quick update. Uh, We did miss a week of podcasts since returning, and I just want to keep people uh, updated on the progress and where things stand with that. Uh, we are super excited to have the podcast back. I don't plan on stopping it anytime soon, but as kind of a conceit, because it is one of the more time consuming things that I do, uh, we are aiming to put out a new podcast episode every other week now instead of every week. Uh, If I can fill every week with interviews and other things that are easier for me to produce and put together, I will get them out as often as possible. But at minimum, I am aiming for releases every other week, and I hope that is okay with the audience out there. If it's not, I'm sorry. (laughs) There's not a lot I can do about it. But uh, we are aiming for every other week at a minimum. So just so you know what our release schedule is uh, and to keep you guys in the loop with what's going on. That all being said, we have a lot to talk about this week. So let's hop right into our Geek Outs. Yay! Matt West. So
1: I, I labeled on our show notes my impact adventure. Mm-hmm. Um I have sent you the link and I uh people who are listening will be able to check this out. If you check out the show notes, I think uh you'll see a link to a YouTube clip. It's about eight and a half minutes long. Um what happened is I've been a, a good friend of mine, Caleb uh, is a, uh, a, an entrepreneurial type in his own right. And he's trying to find, uh, he's done a number of things in the wrestling business, including at one point in time being the play by play guy or actually the color commentator next to Kevin Kelly on the syndicated Ring of Honor TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's done a lot of things and his new, uh, pursuit is a company called Worked Shoot Productions. And he's driving all over right now the East Coast. Uh, Working for different wrestling organizations, shooting their shows, editing them for them, giving them either stuff they can release on social media. A number of them now do VOD. So he's been doing a lot of that. A couple weeks ago, now about a month ago, it was right before I went back to work. um, We went down to Maryland Championship Wrestling, which is a fantastic organization. Um, And it was their anniversary show. And it was 1,400 people sold out. 300 people turned away. Because oh, wow, the top the top attraction and on top of all of their stars for that company who are really great were the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Now the Hardys were, if you if you're a wrestling fan, really big in the '90s and the early 2000s. They were really, I think they got a lot of people into wrestling. Um, the Hardys and Lita, and they're doing a whole different take on things now. It's it's sort of not sort of it's completely outside the box, uh, where Matt Hardy has gone through. Um, a psychological breakdown. He's now called Broken Matt Hardy. He full, full-heartedly believes that he's a reincarnated um, pharaoh, um oh wow, that's an
0: aspect I didn't yeah, know about.
1: And and now they're following the Egyptian gods on an expedition of gold and they're teleporting around the world to different places and and attempting to collect all the tag team titles. So that's the storyline. And I mean when you talk about pro wrestling, it's already the suspension of disbelief. But with this storyline, funny enough, as ridiculous as it is, it's it's probably the most popular thing that Impact Wrestling had going for it. Mm-hmm. So Maryland Championship Wrestling as part of their anniversary had the Hardys coming in to wrestle for their tag titles. So as we arrive to shoot the show, we're called and and talk, um, we need to talk to Jeremy Borash, who is one of the executive producers, at which point we're figuring he's going to say at this point in the show, you need to shut your cameras off because everything we're shooting is for impact. Mm. Instead, he says, here's what we need. And basically takes us on his crew for the week. So because of all our equipment was broadcast quality, he had us shooting all sorts of angles um, We were there till one in the morning shooting like stuff that is in the video, like um Jeff Hardy chasing guys down the road, shooting with Roman candles. I'm actually hiding in the woods in a black hoodie. So if you're really lucky, you can kind of see me hidden shooting different angles. It was one of the most bizarre and entertaining nights I've ever had. I've been in the <laughs> wrestling business about 25 years, and it's one of the most memorable. Well. Long story short, this past Thursday night on Pop TV, which is the channel Mm -hmm. they air on, they aired the the footage of this, and I thought they'd use bits and pieces of our footage because they did have one cameraman using a very high-end DSLR where he was shooting, and they had their guys there. No, they used so much of what we shot. And it was really cool because, I mean, we were shooting and we were, you know, you never know what they're going to use. Right. But right. for them to, to take as much as they did of what we shot and knowing, no, that's all my camera there. It was really, this is a nationally broadcast show, you know, through a cable network. Um, so yeah, really just super cool. If you like wrestling, even if you like just weird stuff. I mean, as I said, there, there's a point, a part where there's Jeff Hardy and, and, and a middle-aged Spanish guy running down an alleyway shooting to, uh, to Appalachian outlaws with Roman candles. It's so you weird. Know, it, it's ridiculous. It really is. There's a fight through at Amish flea market. Um, it, it's, but it was one of the most entertaining things I've ever been a part of in pro wrestling. And to see it then get represented on, on national TV and look as polished as it did, like everything we shot just fit right in. It was seamless. Mm-hmm. So that was like another thing. So Caleb, um, he's on Twitter at Workshoot Productions and, uh, yeah, we were really super proud of it because it was something that we worked on really hard with them and, you know, to see it up on that stage was really
0: cool. It had to be not only fun but uh, a pretty educational experience for you to have the the oversight. Like you guys you guys have your own level of professionalism, but when you talk about TV and broadcast, it's a whole other level on top of that. So, uh you guys must have learned a lot during the process as well. It was
1: great. And what I will say is if you watch it, there are some really high-end overhead shots of the building Mm -hmm. that looked like they were shot with a drone that was probably 10 by 10 inches. Um, They have one drone that the Hardys carry out. It actually has a character Vanguard one which it it interacts with them but that was like a gimmick whereas they have another smaller drone that they actually shoot HD off of and Hmm. to see how steady the shot looks for this little tiny drone. It's amazing. It was really it was just really such a great thing to be a part of to learn and to see it was like guerrilla filmmaking just the way we shot things i mean it was the middle of the night and i'm hanging off like this 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 embankment shooting video and we're trying to shoot off all these roman candles before the police show up (laughs) 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 so it it was really and, and the hardys were were amazing super cool super down to earth just great guys so it was all around and jeremy borash who's one of their executive producers just you know super cool guy awesome and it was great to work with them and it was really an honor that they used as much of of our footage as they did
0: coming off of that is there like a level of inspiration that just kind of infects you like oh my god look at what we accomplished with the equipment we already have so think about the things that we could do if we wanted to well
1: yeah I mean Caleb, it's Caleb's business and I've been you know I've known Caleb since he was about 15 years old Mm -hmm. and um he's you know he interned for me when I was running different wrestling companies and I've watched him grow and now that he's doing this I like going on the road and helping him out, hmm. so it is really it's his baby. But I mean, there's so I mean, when you see that, it just it validates his vision. He has some. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into his visions and what sure, he's going to sure. do with things, but it validates that what he's doing is not out of reach. It's absolutely within reach. It's just a matter of the right eyes seeing it. And this could be the first step of that. So cool. That's yeah, awesome. very very cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, my second one is just a quick. I won't get too into depth, but um my real first tie back into geek geekdom was getting back into comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, with the, uh, relaunch of the, or rebirth of DC, they just did a pretty cool crossover. It was uh justice league versus uh suicide squad. Mm. Um, it was a six issue special. And then they had some tie-ins with some other, and it was, it was pretty entertaining, pretty well written. Um, they've, use that because they're going to do a different Justice League at some point, uh that's going to, you know, Batman's sort of the the common thread through all of them. Mm-hmm. But uh they're using it to bring like Lobo into um you know into the fold. Mm. And, um it was pretty violent. They actually at one point use the um the suicide squad. They have those uh the, the bombs in the in their brain Oh so yeah. The, yeah. And at one point to stop Lobo, they they hit the button and blow his head up. Oh damn. <laughs> but he's got that similar well, yeah, it is he's, Lobo, he's yeah. similar healing powers to like you know Wolverine. So ultimately he's back and he was just surprised. Same Since
0: to, when is Lobo a member of the Suicide Squad?
1: they well they had him they had they tied him into it. Mm-hmm. Um and because, you know, they had done the the issue with the bomb, um, he was sort of participating in that. And I guess he's done some Stuff here and there as a member. That's the thing. Yeah, I know they have popular. a bit of a rotating roster yeah.
0: like the league does.
1: But I guess they're now looking to bring him and draw him as a regular character in one of the Justice Leagues. So hmm. I don't know how, quite how that's going to happen yet because I don't, uh, I'm not sure if that's going to cover some of the, I get one Justice League title. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be in that one or not. Um, and I just don't have the resources to buy every single rebirth title they <laughs> have. no yeah nobody they, really no. does I mean they they're keeping to that two ninety nine price point, which is great but still i mean i'm I'm at about a thirty five to forty dollar a month habit and <laughs> I'm not gonna exceed that too much more mm. um the last one is the Mick I don't know if you've seen the show
0: I've not I saw um, the previews yeah. uh during our fall TV preview, but that's it
1: it's it's gr- really a great show um if you're a fan of um, it's always sunny in um, Philadelphia. uh uh, what? Uh, Olson. I'm trying to remember. Uh, name. Caitlin Olson. Caitlin Olson. I just blanked on it. Um, she plays Sweet D on It's Always Sunny. Well, mm-hmm. she plays the Mick. She's the aunt of these rich, three rich kids whose parents have um been basically indicted for um, it looks like treason pretty much, and they've <laughs> they've fled the they fled the country, um, and she's the only relative available to take care of these kids, and she's. Her character is a lot like Dee Reynolds from It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she has this boyfriend who again is just a drunk loser who hangs out at the house all the time. They have this housekeeper who's, um, she's supposed to be a Guatemalan housekeeper. Okay. And she is amazing. The character is hilarious. She's a great comic foil for, mm-hmm. uh, for Caitlin Olson's character. And it's just, you know, it's one of those character who doesn't belong in her setting. So you've got this person who's very much just you know, pretty much scum of society and she is in high society now and how she interacts and she's going to scheme and she's going to try to blackmail people. And it's really well written. They have mm. some really funny stuff happen. The kids they have are terrific. Um, a lot of times kid actors can make or break a show like that because mm, absolutely. sometimes they're just obnoxious. Well, these kids are obnoxious when they're supposed to be so that it fits the kind of kids they are, um, for the characters as they're written. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's again, it's a half an hour comedy, runs, I think, like 22 minutes. Um, and it is on Hulu. Um, so they're like seven episodes in now, but I haven't, there hasn't been one episode yet that I have watched that's not hilarious. Like, definitely one of those when a new episode pops up, watch it right away because it's, it, it's definitely, key, it's kept its humor through the first season so far. Um, and it seems to be one of those shows where it's enough of a premise where because of the family being gone for the reason they are, Mm -hmm. you can keep it going. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, we'll see what the ratings are like and how long it's kept around, but it certainly has been for, you know, through seven or eight episodes has been tremendous.
0: I'm actually a little surprised to hear that it's as good as it is because I saw the previews and I wasn't particularly thrilled with the premise even
1: yeah i i i like i like caitlin olsen i think she's really funny mm-hmm. and um i love i mean it's always sunny is one of those shows i've been a fan of for a long time now Gotcha. so i figured i checked the first episode out and the first episode was just so ridiculous that it was all right you know i'll check two out and then now here we go every time there's a new episode up uh the most recent one i, I think it was last night, the night before i watched um the premise was that uh the the youngest kid uh was having trouble in his private school and so to try and make a point she pulls him mick pulls him out but then to get to an any other school that's really even quality like that mm-hmm. it, it's an all-girls school and so he claims he's transgendered oh, and begins trying to you know attend there as a little girl and so of course that you know you have the the, the parent who says there's a little boy here changing in the same room mm-hmm. as my little girl and you have all those you know political overtones uh but in her own way mick makes it a bigger problem than it is you mm-hmm. know she has her boyfriend filming something in, in in the playground and then she accuses hey look there you, know, you you say this is this big high society high oh, security yeah, place yep. and look at right there there's a pedophile shooting video <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know so now the police go chasing him up it, it's it's really a pretty well written comedy um it's absurd but it it's a lot of fun and you know if it's that sort of humor falls into your wheelhouse of what you think is funny i think it's one of those ones that people would appreciate
0: all right uh, my first geek out is a game announcement that recently happened. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment has announced Middle Earth Shadow of War, the sequel to 2015 Shadow of Mordor. The new entry features an original story with the return of Talion and Calabrimbor, who must go behind enemy lines to forge an army and turn all of Mordor against the Dark Lord Sauron. Players will wield a new ring of power and confront the deadliest of enemies in a monumental battle for Middle Earth. The open-world action-adventure game is brought to life through the expansion of the award-winning Nemesis system. The robust personalization from the first game is now applied to the entire world, where the environments and characters are all shaped by player actions and decisions, creating a personal world unique to every gameplay experience. Uh, very, very excited about this. Shadow of Mordor is a fantastic game. Um, it won Game of the Year awards from various publications and outlets uh upon its release it's done so well and of course i believe Talion is actually voiced by troy baker as well and we know (laughs) we love troy baker here so uh that means more work for him too on top of everything uh and the nemesis system was something very new that games really hadn't had a lot of before it introduced a lot of potential uh it didn't It wasn't as robust as I thought it was going to be. I understood the the attempt of what it was doing, and it did make combat a little more personal. So I don't know how familiar you are with it, but when you are fighting a particular enemy, they all have names. And if for some reason an enemy kills you, they rank up and they become like a nemesis of you. So you can then find that enemy in the game again and slaughter them and have revenge, which <laughs> is pretty awesome. That's awesome. And there is a whole hierarchy of the orcs there. So there's like uh, like war. I forget exactly what the term is, but there's like war masters and they have bodyguards protecting them. And then they have minions underneath that. And everybody has a name. Everybody has fears and weaknesses you can use to take them down. Uh, and that was kind of the, the base of the nemesis system, but now it looks like it's going to expand even more and become a bigger part of shadow of war, which is awesome because it is one of the better parts of the game. One of the things that, that, that makes it original and stand apart from a lot of things. So I'm super pumped for this, uh, and middle earth shadow of war will be available for Xbox one, PS4 and PC on August 22nd, 2017. So we're getting it this summer which is even more exciting. It kind of drives me crazy as much as I love all the hype and build up for games. It does kind of drive me crazy when we're like two years out yeah. from a game and they're like, guys, this is a thing that's coming, but you got to wait forever. But no, they dropped it out of nowhere the other day and we know we're getting it this summer. So I am super extra excited for that. Uh, next. There is a new hero. For overwatch that was announced this week and uh, i was geeking out about overwatch a few weeks ago uh this is orissa the new hero built by an 11 year old engineering prodigy to protect the people of numbani orissa is in uh, is essentially a robotic centaur tank i'll say that again <laughs> orissa is a robotic centaur tank that's fucking badass Uh, Her kit includes a rapid-fire fusion driver, a graviton charge that slows and attracts nearby enemies, a fortify ability that reduces damage and makes her unstoppable for a short time. Unstoppable is probably not the most detailed word that could have been used for the description there. Uh, What that means is that when Orisa uses that ability, she can't be, like, knocked around. There are certain heroes in the game that have abilities that can move you, and this kind of makes her an immovable object. She can still move on her own volition, but nobody can kind of redirect her path of movement. Um, and she has a stationary protective barrier that shields herself and allies. Her ultimate called supercharger increases the damage dealt by her entire team as long as they're within line of sight. Now, I've heard uh, people be very excited about this character because Orisa breaks the norm of a lot of things that we see in video games. Uh, she is a female character, which there are plenty of in overwatch. This is nothing new for overwatch. Um, but unlike a lot of female characters, she's very big and bulky. She's a robot and she was designed by an an 11 year old black girl. So they're, they're all over the place with kind of the origin of this. And I've heard a lot of people say they're very excited about that. So overwatch is breaking a lot of kind of typical, video game female molds or at least things that you see in mainstream big video games like indie games have things represented all over the place but when you look at mainstream video games they're not being as diverse as they could something like overwatch lends itself uh very much so to doing this so the 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 character itself is not only something very new and very different but its origin story is also something very new and very different so Uh, A lot of people excited about Arisa. She looks like a fantastic hero to use. I guess she's available already on like the test servers and whatnot. And uh, we don't know the exact release of when she's going to be available for everybody else. But I am super pumped to uh, give her a try. Next, this is a movie that I was not necessarily excited about when I saw the announcement for it. It seemed like one of those things that I was just going to brush past. Uh, The Lego Ninjago movie. Now, I had not heard that much about it before. I knew that there was a Ninjago series, and I don't think it's I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but I don't think it's up to the quality of like the the movies and the kind of new brand of Lego that's been developed. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Uh, but then I saw the voice cast announcement and there were some names in there. I was like, wow, these these are really talented individuals. Like you got people like Kumail Nanjiani in there as one person, uh, Zach Woods. Who's also from Silicon Valley. And, uh, I think Olivia Munn is one of the voices there. Um, lots of good voice actors. And then I saw a trailer. It was before Lego Batman, even though coincidentally that same day, I was just kind of going through my newsfeed and I saw it and I watched it beforehand. So I ended up seeing it twice in the same day. Uh, but when I saw the trailer, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's definitely still a kid's movie, for sure. But so was the Lego movie. And so was uh, Lego Batman, which we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, later in this podcast. But it's a movie about ninjas and giant mechs with the Lego brand of humor. Those are all things I want. (laughs) Those are all things I want. Give them to me. Uh, that's a fantastic combination of things and where I was not excited for this movie at all before. I'm like super excited for it now. It looks fantastic.
1: Yeah. It wasn't even on my radar. And then I saw before Lego Batman, I saw that, that trailer mm-hmm. and I walked out going, I probably will see that. Yeah. <laughs> it was not even something I had any interest in, but again, that Lego sense of humor and it, it, it looks really good.
0: Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I really thought it was just going to be like a kid's movie. Like, I mean it is probably still a kids' movie, but I thought it was just a straight up kids' movie in the vein of like, I don't even know, like that just just stupid fun, like not necessarily anything with multiple levels to it that Lego's kind of been proving that they can do. They did it with the first Lego movie. They came out of nowhere and like had this whole underlying message that nobody saw coming in the third act. Uh Lego Batman does it very much so too, and I'm wondering. If Ninjago is going to kind of go the same route or if it's just going to be a fun Lego movie with some good humor, which I'm still totally down for either way. It doesn't have to be uh, super deep, but it looks way better than I expected it to be. So pretty pumped for that. My last geek out is PAX East, which is coming up this weekend. So if anybody is going to be if you're hearing this before PAX East uh, and you're going to be there, take a look for me. I will uh, be there. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, I have all sorts of interviews lined up with game devs as we do every year. We're going to be videotaping at Pax East for the first time. I've always done audio interviews, but this time we're going to have some video interviews. So hopefully we can actually show gameplay footage and uh, the interviews with the, de- with the devs as well as just recording the interviews with them on audio and playing them on the podcast. So super, super pumped. Pax East is one of my busiest conventions every year. Uh, I get to see lots of cool new video games every time, and I'm super pumped to go again. So uh stop by and see me. Also, uh, on the Sunday of PAX East at like 1.45, 2 o'clock, we will be streaming from a streaming pod. PAX has their own kind of streaming pods set up, <coughs> and they allowed me to schedule an hour at one of their pods on the Sunday. So uh check us out on the Sunday next week at uh, twitch.tv slash generation. Where you can see us going live from PAX. I believe Paul O. will be with me at that time. Uh, Squalls might pop onto the stream as well. So, uh, yeah. Stay tuned, folks. With that being said, let's hop into our freakouts.
1: Oh, freakout! So my first freakout, although uh, it's not a full-fledged freakout, is eBay. And I I say that after just having a great interaction with somebody on eBay, I won uh, something on auction for like $60 cheaper than you could get in a store. Oh, so, wow. That's great. So I can't complain with that. But it seems like way more. Of, when I first got onto eBay, eBay was pretty much all auctions. And that was all I did. It seems like there are so few less, so so more few auctions or so fewer auctions. It's a expensive. lot of buy it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Buy it now or make an offer. Um, and it's it, it's really gotten to be just people selling things. Um, i I've been trying to find some some items on there. And to try and find, you just don't find auctions anymore. Mm-hmm. And when you go to, you know, you might see 20 or 30 items, you go to turn off, buy it now, or suddenly there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And it just, I feel like it sort of takes away the spirit of what what it was. You know, that was, the, there were so many more people just selling things on auction. And if if you're willing to, not necessarily get, you know, if you want $500 or something, mm-hmm. take the risk. Even if you drop your reserve to 300 and it's still an auction. I don't know. I just I sort of feel like it, it takes the spirit away of, of what eBay was. I like the idea of buy it now mm-hmm. when it was an auction. You're seeing an auction going on and it's starting at $200 or it's at $200 and you're saying I'd willingly, I want that item. I'll mm-hmm. pay $300. Sure, no problem. Sure. Buy it now. You're done. You got it. Uh, but when it's just, that's all it is. It's like, just, I don't like what, how is it any different than Amazon minus the service and minus the price? The I don't think prices? it is.
0: I think originally eBay was that place where you could kind of take your old stuff and just put it up there and see what people would be willing to pay for it. But now it is very much just like a marketplace where you can go and shop like you do anywhere else.
1: Yeah. And so that's, that's why it's, a, as I said, I can't totally complain. I got, you know, an item, a used item that most most places are selling still for almost two hundred dollars, and brand new is two hundred dollars. And this guy, he put it up for auction, and I got it for the minimum. It was the minimum bid. I was the only bidder, and I mean, it came complete with all the original packaging, and it, it it's awesome. And on top of that, I sent it. I had him. I paid it the day I won, and it came to me in two days. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to take nine days together. So that sounds more like a geek out, but the freak out is just. What happened to eBay? It, it, it that was part of the fun of eBay was all right. Well, you know, I'll, I'm i on the risk. You know, I don't necessarily want this, but yeah, I'll throw 25 bucks towards it. And if mm-hmm. I win the auction, I will. And then there was those you know tense last five minutes where you're watching somebody better not snake me. I'm a high bidder, and you're just about to win, and you get outbid with the last minute. It's frustrating, yeah, but yeah. that was part of the excitement of it. It was an actual auction, and um, yeah, it, it's now just like you said, it's like just a marketplace.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um.
1: The other one is um, I, I'm a big uh, as I've talked about before. I'm, I'm a user of uh, many of those food delivery services. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been using Blue Apron, which I've talked about, and HelloFresh. Um, my my freak out with HelloFresh this week is more tied to their customer service and the they have they actually have an app for for smartphones, whereas Blue Apron doesn't. Okay, so I have um, just for the sake of maintaining um, some security because I've had my my debit cards hacked and I've had my identity taken a few times because that's the easiest way to purchase things online. now. is using a debit card Mm -hmm. um, and that's the easiest way to get your, your identity stolen. Um, So I've had that happen a few times where um, you know, you'll get a a call from the credit card company or the debit card saying, uh, were you buying McDonald's in California and considering I've been to California once? No, it wasn't me. Sure, Sure. Um, so I have I do have a debit card that I do use to pay some bills, but it's it's a very I keep a very low liability of money on it, and I control that through again through a banking app. But I just so every now and again there'll be a timing issue where I I don't have just enough money in it to to pay for whatever service, and they'll usually let you know what oh, we tried to bill you. Just um you know did something go wrong, and I'll transfer the money and boom it's back through. And that's happened that happens more often with Blue Apron because they're not as consistent with the exact billing time in the week where they get you. But with them, you go on the website, you just, you know, you just tell them to rebuild you and it's all, all fine. Mm -hmm. Now with HelloFresh, they have a whole app. So it's supposed to be easier and more, you know, more developed in, in how they do it. So I get this email from them saying, um, we tried to tried to put the charger for your card, uh, for whatever reason it didn't work. Could you please, um, call us to con- call us with new information or you could go through our app. And mm. so I went to the app, I checked it, I resubmitted, um, you know, my status was up for delivery. And so everything's fine. I don't get any sort of, um, and this was done within an hour of them sending the email. I don't get anything saying, you know, you didn't pay in time or, you know, we're going to have to skip what this week's deliveries. So nothing happens. We're thinking no, no problem. So Tuesday, uh, we're, my wife and I are both, uh, she's been working. I've been out of work for a while, but I'm back to work. Um, I have a late, I get home around 5.30, quarter of six Uh and no food. And it can be delivered as late as eight o'clock, but our plan had been whatever was, you know, we had three recipes. We knew we were coming. We're going to pick one of those. um, And my wife was working later. So it could be delivered as late as eight o'clock. I go to just call because I hadn't gotten any sort of, um, information from them, usually you get like a UPS uh, confirmation saying, oh, we have something coming from HelloFresh to be delivered, and I hadn't seen that. So I try to call them. Their phone lines are down. Hmm. I go to the app. There's a chat function. I go to that. No agents available at this time. Usually they're pretty good with getting back to you with emails. So I send them an email. I hear nothing from them. So it's a good 15, 16 hours before I hear anything from oh, wow. them. And it was like the next day. So Ultimately, when you have people who are working, you know, sure you can go out to, but the the whole the whole idea of having these services is it takes the it takes gives you that convenience. You mm-hmm. don't have to get out of work, then go shopping, then come home, then it's it's there. Well, yeah, you're paying and,
0: extra money to right, have the stuff delivered exactly. to you.
1: So here we go, planning to make dinner then, and it doesn't show up. So we take care of that, and then the next morning, we you know, I I finally get through, and the woman who I spoke with in customer service was pretty callous. She was just like, well, it says here your payment didn't go through. And I, I explained to her how, well, you were supposed to call us. And I, I stated, no, the the email said to call you or to, to correct my information in the app, which I did. Mm-hmm. And my app said, you know, it even stated that my food was delivered. Oh, well, the app will say that regardless.
0: Well, then what's the point? Then what's exactly? Yeah. So, then you so, have an app that's flawed.
1: So she was, she was kind of snotty. And, and I, and I said, I'm pretty sure you billed me last week. And she said, well, if you send us a screenshot that we build you, then, you know, that can show that we did. And ultimately, you know, at first she was pretty snotty. And I don't know if, if it was my, my feed. They always send you an email after you've spoken to customer service looking for feedback. And mm-hmm. I, I sort of laid in about how, she wasn't really that great and that helpful. Um, so the upside is they did – they they basically are going to give me a free week. Uh-huh. Um, and they didn't bill me for the week. But it was – ultimately, they it was on them. I had reset things to bill me at the right time. Um, I put my information in. There should have been no reason why – I shouldn't have to call them. If you have an app that you can change your billing uh-huh. on – I did it before the the deadline. There's no reason why I should have to sit there and then call them and if I had tried to call them, I mean they had i don't know how long their phone lines have been down, but it was literally over twenty four hours their phone lines were completely down, so mm. so it was just it's my first time I've had a real issue with them, uh but it was a pretty big one because this was a week's worth of and it's not like they said, well, we'll send out another set of delivery. you know right they just meant right. so now here we are, all right, well, now we have a work schedule they're working around. When can we get to the store and figure out? You know what we're going to cook for the rest of the week, and then and so it sort of throws your throws your budget off, it mm-hmm. throws you know your planning off, it th- throws your time off. So, you know, there when they had a lapse in their service, it didn't just screw up. Oh well, you know, it, it's a little inconvenient. It, it, inconven- it inconvenienced us for the entire week. Sure, sure. So that's why I was sort of annoyed with. I again, them giving a free week is a, it's a make good, but at the same time, it, it was just it's been a week of all right. Well, I guess instead of these things that we'd plan and you're not going to get those recipes again for another year. Mm -hmm. They don't. And a couple of them were pretty interesting. They're things I hadn't done. So, you know, that's the other letdown. All right, well this, I guess I won't see this meal now, unless if I'm with them for a year, right. Maybe they present it again.
0: Comes back around. Yeah. It sounds like the bigger problem is not only, uh, obviously their, their customer service is an issue, but that app feels useless. If it's not taking your updated information, that's broken. If it's delivering things, regardless of whether things are actually delivered or not, that's broken. Yeah. If you can't reach customer service through the app, that's broken. Yeah. What is the point of having this? The thing, only thing
1: then? it's good for is changing what you're, you know, the week before you can change it. You can see what's available and set your delivery. That's mm-hmm. what it's good for. Other than that, it's it's most of the fun. And it's not even that easy to, to navigate through other parts of it. So it, it it's nice. They have an app, but, you know. Yeah, but not if it doesn't work <laughs> properly, then
0: yeah. You get, you have to have the things that actually exactly. function as you're told they will. That's a bummer. Uh, my first one is... I know this is probably kind of a common problem with a lot of people, but I'm still on the iPhone 5. Uh, and I don't know... I guess the reason for switching over to the Lightning port was that A, it's going to transfer data faster, and B, it actually takes up less physical space at the bottom of the phone. I get that on both occasions. Uh, the problem with the Lightning port is I've actually found a few uh a few problems, one of which is that there's no hard lock mechanism to engage the cable with the phone so for a while, this isn't necessarily a problem. most of the cables fit pretty snugly into the bottom of the phone into the lightning port, but you don't have that secure lock like like the older connection does like it has those things on the side where you put it in there, and it's like boom, I'm not letting go until. You feel this actually pull out and those things release, and you can tell when it's in there or not. It feels like it clicks in there. Uh, the lightning port, however, just slides in or out, which is not as great. It doesn't have that, that tactile click that lets you know that it's really engaged. But on top of that, I'm having some issues with the lightning port getting, like, dirty, In the sense that you leave the phone in your pocket all day. And this is apparently a common problem. I've Googled it a lot. And uh, it's gotten dirty to the point where sometimes when I put the connector in, it doesn't connect at all. So there's things obstructing the connection now between the, uh, the contacts on the port and the wire. And some of that can be cleaned out pretty easily. There are people that suggest you take those like computer compressed air cans and fire it in there and you can clean out some stuff there. Uh, There are some other things that say, take like a toothpick or uh, a plastic, whatever, and just go in there and scrape the gunk out that way. And I'm just thinking these were not issues with any other connector that they had. So this is the connector that they've kind of committed to for the next few generations. Like I'm on the five, they're on the seven, the lightning port's still there. I don't know if they fix fixed these in other versions, but in the five, it's an issue. So sometimes when I put it in, I have to like hold, like I'll get to a point where I put the wire in and then I have to put something underneath the wire so that it's tilting at a certain angle. So the contacts will actually touch it. And then if I'm in a car and I'm putting it in there, I have to position it in like a cup holder so that it's leaning against the seat, which is... Not the worst thing in the world, but if I'm using it as my GPS as well and I'm looking at it, then I can't have it upside down in a cup holder leaning on something. And if I'm on a road trip, I need this thing to stay powered. So that solution is not going to be a long term thing. So that's just kind of a tremendous pain in the ass that I never saw coming. Uh It's the first one I have with a lightning port and I'm not satisfied with it at all. I would take slower sinking speeds over this inability or unknowingness to power like i don't even know when it unplugs from power because there's no i know when it plugs in because there's an audio tone for that but when i disconnect it or the power disconnects there is nothing to alert me that that is disconnected so i've gotten to a place before that i've driven to and my phone is way down in power even though i thought it was charging the entire time that's a problem
1: there's not an icon that shows like a lightning bolt that is charging or. There's it. an
0: icon, but I can't see that when I'm driving. When you're driving, yeah. yeah.
1: That it certainly sounds like. I mean, that whole version of how they base the the lightning port is more like I, I've always been an Android phone user, mm-hmm. but that's been one of the biggest issues. Where you're saying, you know, at, all, right, I have to put the cord in and then give it, you know, put something under it to to angle it in so you have a good connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas like my iPod has the old nine pin clicks and yes. that's a solid, so much it, better. You know you can't just pull your iPod; you have to push both sides and pops. Mm-hmm. It's got that real satisfying security to it. Absolutely. Where when you're driving with with, I'm sure the 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 lightning port's a lot like the iPod, or I mean, sorry, like the Android, where you're driving mm-hmm. and. You know, if I have it on the seat next to me, it might slide and then it's unplugged, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's definitely I thought that that locking mechanism uh, that I really did like that. And yeah, I wish it was something that they had kept or they had done with the the Android and they never did.
0: Yeah. So kind of a uh, tremendous pain in the ass there. <coughs> uh, I, I'm. I mean, I don't see myself switching off of Apple phones anytime soon, but that's a major inconvenience and it's going to cause problems even more so than it has already. All right. The next one, uh, the next freakout I have is something I want to talk to you specifically about. We talked a little bit on, <laughs> 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 he's hiding himself. He's hiding himself. Um, uh, we talked about it a little bit on, on Facebook and whatnot, but, uh, you had reviewed the OA a little yeah. while ago. I had, uh, I think I included it in my geek outs that I had started watching it and I was enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but now that I've finished season one and I should say, Spoiler alert. If you guys plan on watching the OA, the, the odds of us not talking about spoilers during the next five minutes or so is very, uh, very low. We're, we're gonna have to spoil some stuff yeah. to properly get our opinions out there. Um, I would actually recommend
1: not watching it. Not <laughs> watching it. Say? <laughs> not watching it. Uh,
0: and this, this is the reason I say this. It's not that it's a bad show necessarily. But I don't know if you've watched anything else that Britt Marlin has written or directed or produced or anything like that. This is not the first thing I've seen her do. She actually had another sci fi movie called Another Earth that I'd seen before. I was very intrigued by the concept. It was about, um, it was about like another Earth discovers that there's another world out there. And on this other world, there are duplicates of everybody living on our world. So there was a company that was starting to plan trips from this world to that world and you could like meet your duplicate and all this stuff. And it was a whole thing. Um, and the concepts, the, the, the ideas out there were great. So some people were like, well, I don't, I don't like my life on this world. Maybe I can switch with my duplicate and they can come live here and I'll come live there. And I don't remember everything. This was years ago that I saw this movie. Uh, but the reason I don't remember that much about it is because. A typical thing in Britt Marlin's work that I've seen, and it's true of both Another Earth and the OA, is that Britt Marlin's stuff is the opposite of that saying. It's about the, it's about the journey, not the destination. That seems to be what she aims for. Like the destination is never satisfying. That's fine as a saying, but it's not great storytelling. So every time I'm super, super interested in the journey, And the story that's being laid out. In Another Earth, super fascinated by the premise. I was super into everything that was happening in the movie. And then it just kind of ended and left me wanting more. Which is fine, again, if there's going to be more. And I know with the OA, that is the case. Uh, With Another Earth, it wasn't because that was just a one-shot thing. That story was over. But with the OA, I was super into the aspect of the show that was about her imprisonment. And about Jason Isaac's character and what was happening and what she was and the whole story and the traveling to another dimension. And then at the end, during the the finale of season one, there was what you said was a payoff for me was like nonsense really yeah because okay. they, they had been doing these these motions so okay so i we need to fill in people a little we bit we have more, to talk I about think. the show a little we bit do, we you- do we <laughs> do so the show the oa is about uh, a character who suffers a near-death experience um and she refers to herself as the oa which we kind of learn stands for original angel mm-hmm. uh however she believes she's an angel. We never find out if she is or not. Right, we don't know if that is. Or um, and she she needs five people to do these series of motions that they've learned that will allow her to get to another dimension and reconnect with the other angels.
1: Right, and that and the way they learn these mo- these movements mm-hmm. is through near death experiences. Right, so. Th- that and that's where – that's kind of the intriguing thing with Jason Jason Isaac's character mm-hmm. cuz he's the one's taking you know basically killing them and bringing them back yep, yep. um and there's a whole way that they learn these movements in their in these near death experiences um so as they're learning these these series of moves these six moves it's mostly going to open this interdimensional door or mm-hmm. you know get to the other dimension um so that's that's that was sort of the premise of it leading in and I thought it was looking like, where, where is it where is going to lead? Are they going to another dimension? I think mm-hmm. that's what you were looking for to happen. Something like and that. And I was
0: very into all of that. Super into it. The character development is great. So, like, not only did I care about her, I cared about all of her friends that were imprisoned. Mm-hmm. I cared about Jason Isaac's character. I cared about the five people that she recruited. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm super invested into all of these characters, which is the thing that kept me going. And the, the, the kind of JJ Abrams mystery box thing of like, I have this box. There's a mystery in it, but you can't see it yet. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll reveal the mystery as we go. So I'm super into all of these aspects. And then we get to the season finale. And during this season finale, there's an incident where the five recruited people who are all supposed to do the movements to open the gate to get the OA to the other dimension. Uh, during the the thing, so someone comes in, a, sc- a shooter comes into the school. They're almost they're either teachers or students. Mm-hmm. So there's one teacher and there's like four right. students, and a shooter comes into the school at the cafeteria during lunch and is about to like shoot up everything.
1: And it's very much a Columbine-looking thing, you know, the long exactly. trench coat. It's a student coming
0: in to kill people. So that starts happening. All of these people that were taught the movements kind of glance around at each other. And as like a unified force, stand up and start doing the movements together, which for whatever reason, this is the part that got silly to me, distracts the shooter long enough for one of the people in the cafeteria to take him out to like tackle him and have him down. I don't know why that would have been a huge distraction. I know it's weird. It it had shades of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for me where Star-Lord starts dancing. And distracts Ronan so that they can like defeat him at the end, like the dance battle thing that they do at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. It was very much that for me. Like it's silly in Guardians, and it's silly here. But Guardians, it was a silly movie, and this it was like a really serious thing where they had this kind of silly thing at the end. And I then there's there's the questions that it opens up. Okay, they're doing it. Do they open the gate because? She has visions. So like where we're left. We don't. There's so many questions. That's the problem. Like we don't know if she's actually an angel or she's delusional. Right. For one, she might just have a mental illness. Uh, But there are signs going both ways. There's evidence that point to both potential answers, which is fine. The problem is at this point, there's so much evidence pointing both ways that if one thing is true or the other thing is true, it It's some of the evidence is going to be purposefully misdirecting like it won't make sense that that evidence was there because they have so much pointing saying she is an angel and then they have so much saying she's mentally delusional. So if they decide to go one way or the other instead of just leaving it open to interpretation, which I know is what she likes to do, they've backed themselves into a corner because they created evidence that doesn't make sense anymore.
1: See, to me, I think that they – I said when I was talking about why I liked it, I said that there was a semi-payoff and then there was a big payoff. Mm-hmm. And I think it was ex, uh, where they learned the last movement. I thought that was a smaller payoff where they're going – there's a woman who's nearly on death's door, and I don't know if it was uh, – it was Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease, actually, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, And she's she's got that, and she's um on death's door. And they go in, and they're going to be forced to do these movements to try and heal her. Um, And the old woman reveals – to OA that I I I met you. You came to me when I was much younger, mm-hmm. and you said, "Don't tell anybody this movement until I come to you on your day of your your death." Right. And she's been the one who's been holding this last movement. Um, I thought that was a payoff because it was just oh, oh wow, this you know she's been gone through this torture of living on, in the, these these cells um, for the reason of you know part of it is, is going to be to heal this woman, mm-hmm. and ultimately this woman through fate. She's been brought back to it. She's the one who's holding that that movement. Um, the way I took the the ending with the Columbine type ending was just that if you're that shooter, yes, you know, you might be – if he was this, disturbed, this kid in there and he's shooting up at school, all of a sudden to have people – yeah, you could unload your gun, but all of a sudden these people are not showing fear mm-hmm. to what you're doing. They're doing these – you know, this unified movement. It might have been enough of a – what the hell's going on to to open up that um to open up that time with him where he could be? I get I get where that would right you know, right I I, I thought it, you know I was I thought it would have been a bigger payoff at the end, but for me that was a payoff. It was a small scale, but then during that his gun does discharge mm-hmm. and doesn't it? It goes through the glass and, and it, it hits kills the O A. Yeah, and or it shoots her. We don't know if she's actually. Dead. And then you see that she's going. So now is she dying? and Going to you see her possibly going to another dimension? Right um i i feel like they maybe, uh when they signed this had already known that there was going to be a second season mm-hmm. um a lot of these you know they get one season and if it gets demand and people watch it yeah then they make another one i think they purposely made, made this one looking like well there's, there's going to be loose ends that will tie up next time
2: mm-hmm.
0: which i don't necessarily like but I, I'm, I'm i'm gonna watch i'm fine year. with leaving some cliffhangers for yeah. season two that's not my problem it's just some of the motivations of things are a little weird like if these movements are taught to open another dimension, did they think they were going to open another dimension and push the shooter in or something? Like, what is the point of doing the motions there?
1: Right. I, I think it was just one of those, you know, well, you'll know at the time when the time is right. You'll, yeah. You know, you'll know when to, to enact this magic word or whatever. You know, I think that's what it was. Um, I can. I didn't. It took me four or five episodes to really be invested in the show. I, I think I had said that when I it took a while before I was really into it. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, when I got done with it, I didn't have the same. I don't think. I think you got into it sooner when you watched it. I, I think, did. I was into it think, right away. I think the intrigue got you quicker, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's why I wasn't as let down because I I don't I wasn't let down because I made it took me like the five episodes to really start feeling okay. Now there's momentum, and at the end, the payoff for me was oh, okay. That that's that's for you. You were really into that stuff early, yeah.
0: so I can see where that would be a letdown. Uh, there, there are some interesting things that happen in the finale. So it's not, it's not all disappointment. And I like, I like the thought that they put into certain things and they're definitely alluding to different possibilities. Like, uh, when, when that bullet does go through the glass and it hits the OA, you'll notice that there's a star pattern that's formed. There are five cracks, Mm -hmm. which could refer either to the five people that she recruited. Uh, or that's also the same. If you look at the cells that they were all kept in all the captives, If you look at it from a top down, it's also the separation of walls in their cells. So there's also that possibility. But I guess this is the biggest example of what uh, or the biggest example I can think of that kind of proves or or illustrates my issue that I'm having with it is that uh, there's a lot of misdirections that feel like they're in there as misdirections where they're potentially going to cause future problems. Uh, They're meant there. They're in there to keep us thinking, but they're eventually going to become plot holes or problems that are caused by it. So the kids find the books. The books were one of the biggest problems for me because the books, uh, allude to, so the, the way has all these books under her bed. And if she's mentally ill, she's concocted a story about being held captive and all these people she met and all these things. And there are a series of like four or five books under her bed that have all the pieces of her story whether it be names of characters like Homer, or uh, things like the Odyssey, and certain things pulled from the Odyssey that are a part of her story that are shared between the two, so the kids and the recruited kids right away are like, "Well, she's nuts," mm-hmm. because this concocted story. It, so, if if she's not an angel, or sorry, if she is an angel, then these books make no sense, right? That's that's problem there. However. She keeps having these visions that are probably if even if she is mentally ill, I have to believe she has some future foresight. So there is a fantastical element to this one way or the other, because if she's not an angel and she's mentally ill, she still had the foresight that shit was going down at the school and she had to get there. She saw a vision of that, which has to be true because shit was going down at the school yeah. so they they've made the case that she's an angel and there's evidence clearly supporting that they've made evidence that she's mentally disturbed and there's evidence clearly supporting that that's my problem is that they're going to contradict themselves eventually so if they if things were more vague i would probably be okay knowing that we're going into a second season and that they're going to give me some answers but I see themselves writing themselves into a corner. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest issue.
1: Yep, I can see that. I can see that.
0: But so if people want to watch it and give me their opinion. Now we've sort I of mean, spoiled the big like, ending, but it's, it's, it's... But I don't think it actually spoils too much because there are no like we're saying there aren't really any answers yeah.
1: and if you get to that point if you've gotten that far into the story and mm-hmm. you want to see the way it's done i mean i thought the way it's shot and everything was pretty cool too i thought that you know they hit the hit the tone they hit you know they hit the beats with where the music kicks in and it's meant to be one of those moving kind of scenes to see it play out so mm-hmm. so if, you know if you get through it and you you get to that point where you're you know would be interesting is for people to check in and sort of you know, follow up if you if you do watch it on our recommend on my recommendation or you know to see what you think. Definitely, you know, email email Robin. Yeah, let him please know, let us know because uh, we'd love to hear it. And, Maybe
0: uh, I'm nuts, so <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Maybe my interpretation, maybe I just want a literal solution instead mm. of assuming that the show is like metaphor and poetry. I feel like there's an audience like for everything, of, So,
1: yeah. be interesting to hear what other people have to think about it. Because we're the, only, I know the reason why I watched it was because my mother in law had watched it mm-hmm. while she was going through jet lag in the Netherlands. And she was like, you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And I waited, I didn't want to watch it at first. But after right. two or three weeks of her saying, you have to watch it, I thought, all right, just to shut her up. And I, and I did watch it, and I actually. You know, then we had our conversations
0: yeah. about it. Yeah, so. it's divisive. It's just that Definitely. kind of media. So you'll like it, you'll hate it. There's gonna be no gray area. Yeah, I, I really think. You. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> now that that's done, uh, let's hop into some reviews. You saw the Lego Batman movie, yes. so let's chat. So we won't uh,
1: we won't be uh, arguing over this one. No, no, we will not. No, we will not. Uh, I've actually heard this called the best Batman movie yet. People have actually. Really? Seen. I've heard people say it's the Batman movie they always wanted to see. Hmm. Um. I will say I would have loved it to be Kevin Conroy doing the voice, but Will Arnett for this version of Batman yeah. was terrific. Mm-hmm. Um I think the voice casting overall was was really good. Uh Rosario Dawson was awesome as Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um did you notice um and this is something that I, Kevin Smith had brought up, but I didn't even think about it. Alfred was uh uh Ralph, Ray Fines Ray Fiennes, yep. Um, who is also Voldemort yes, in the movies. That's yet true. he did not voice Voldemort in that's this. and that's interesting I so I thought and I mean it's a WB movie so I'm surprised that they they that had to be a very conscious choice not to have him do the voice of Voldemort you right know? right um so Lego Batman if you haven't seen it is the newest uh Lego installment of you know they're going to do Nin, uh, Ninjago soon it is their version of a Batman
0: movie um, it is the Batman from the Lego, the Lego movie. movie. Yeah, right. it's that version. Um,
1: it is a musical at times. Uh, there are a number of um, musical acts during it, uh, song and dance routines. And um, as it starts out, the Bruce Wayne slash Batman that we see, uh, he's a big fan of being a famous guy, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also pretty happy being alone. Um, and they make a big play about this or family he portrays story. portrays that he's happy that he's very happy um grown. and the tie in is how they bring in Robin into his life mm-hmm. um and ultimately how family is valued. That's sort of the theme for this, how friends and family are important um another major theme of the movie is that the joker desperately wants batman to admit mm-hmm. that he is his arch nemesis he mm-hmm. is his enemy he hates him and and batman won't do it batman right meh, right you know you're nobody you know you're not even a, a bother and that just knowing that he doesn't matter to batman is killing the joker mm-hmm. he's upset um with that we get basically every rogue in the rogues gallery making an appearance and then some, I mean, all the way down to condiment King.
0: Yeah. Um, which which they terrific. made a punchline several times. Yeah. And it was funny. Every, time. um,
1: you see now here's the other great, what I really liked about this is, um, every Batman that we've pretty much seen before on the big screen, um, is f- sort of his own continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman 66, you've got the Tim Burton, Batman, you've got the Nolan Batman, and now we've got the Batman V Superman in this Batman. That's all him. Mm-hmm. Those are all parts of his lineage, and he recognizes them and and brings them up.
0: Um, they which, talk about his weird phase in the '60s, yeah, yeah, which
1: was which is for me again. I've started being you know my first Batman was Batman '66, so mm-hmm. um, that was they had a lot of little nods to the, to Batman the movie. Um, it was I just thought I, I went as I was telling Rob earlier. I went uh, the day after a snowstorm, so the kids had the I was going to go on the Monday. They had canceled school. I said mm, I'll go tomorrow. So we went the next day, and it was my friend who's, you know, in his 40s, and I – it was us and six other adults who just randomly had gone to the movies, (laughs) and there were no kids at all. Yeah. And the laughter was, like, just ongoing. Everybody was just – it was definitely shot – there were a lot of jokes that the kids were going to get. And the kids could watch and they would, you know, but there was that other, you know, that undertone of humor that was definitely sent to go over the shoulders of the kids watching and hit their parents behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did a whole lot of laughing. You know, he uh, Batman takes shots on other properties um, and and it's very much a kid playing in a sandbox as far as. Every villain you could ever want in a movie pretty much is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Batman takes on the Wicked Witch of the West. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he takes on the Eye of Sauron. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I was totally, and again, being a big Doctor Who fan, there were Daleks. Batman fights Daleks. Um, so it was, it was really good. The humor was great. Um, I loved it. I, I certainly, I don't know if it was the best Batman movie, um, I've ever seen, but it was certainly, uh, Worth every penny. Yeah. I, I did not leave disappointed. Um, I'm probably going to see it at least one more time before it leaves the theaters, which will be soon. So I get it. But um, yeah, that was – it was terrific. Especially now I've only in the last six months become savvy to the world of Lego – humor oh yeah Um, yeah. you know i just batman lego batman 3 was my first lego video game Mm -hmm. um and realizing all right they're really tongue-in-cheek with a lot of stuff oh yeah and how it translates really well to their movies very meta yes oh they're so meta i mean they're so aware of the you know where they are and you know that they they there definitely were times where it felt like they were breaking the breaking the third wall Mm -hmm. um fourth wall fourth wall yeah (laughs) i'm you know i have my my first world problems and and my 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 f- breaking the third wall and um yeah I, I i like even recognizing marvel properties there's a whole deal mm-hmm. iron man sucks yeah because yeah. i mean tony stark is pretty much the playboy version of batman mm-hmm. i mean of of bruce wayne so
0: you'll notice that all the uh the cameo characters are all warner brothers properties as well too because mm-hmm. they they don't have to worry about that when they're bringing right. in other people right so. um they 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 reference not only like all the villains that they chose and everything uh i I did like the references to other specific movies where they talk about um the two boats as being one thing uh and then they reference like the hot air balloons and the parade and all that stuff oh, I so love they're that. talking about oh. things oh, from me oh you mean the time when
1: you you tried to get the parade with prince playing
0: yeah 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 <laughs> so like all those things are fantastic they're specific things to movies yeah. but then they also have. They went through that almost like slideshow of when I, when they brought up like the the video footage of Batman sixty six, mm-hmm. and those are all like comic covers and very famous images of Batman, kind of redone in that Lego style for that slideshow. Yeah. That was all very cool. That's stuff that's going way over a kid's head, but that's for us.
1: Like Alfred, Alfred dresses up as Batman sixty six, mm-hmm. but he has a mustache on yeah, his yeah, cowl. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I really like the movie too. Uh, it's definitely not the best Batman movie no, I've seen. No. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is, so when, when I interviewed Wilfred L before he talked about when he got the Batman beyond job and he had talked to Bruce Tim about the character and everything and all the different versions of Batman. And one of the things Bruce Tim had said is that there's a Batman for everybody. hmm. And this is a very different version of Batman than we've seen so far. It's a little bit 66. It's a little bit of the perception of Batman that the public has that's not familiar with him, where he's this dark, brooding, my parents are dead, kind of like emo character. Where's the bomb? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's all the the public perceptions of Batman kind of wrapped into one character. And that's interesting to me, and at the same time, it's also a little frustrating. I had to. I, I can understand how most people would love, 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 love this movie, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm not going to take anything away from it. Uh, but for me, I'm a huge Batman fan, as you all know. No. So, <laughs> so throughout the movie, I had to keep divorcing myself from my favorite iterations of Batman things. So, like, I, I think it's funny that they do a parody Bane voice and they parody the Tom Hardy version from Dark Knight <laughs> Rises. And yet I still would have yeah. rather had a Bane voice, you know, like little things like that. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I'm just so I'm so attached to my favorite iteration of Batman because this is not my version of Batman. Like like they were saying. I appreciate this version, whereas I don't care for the the Batman 66 at all. I do like this version of Batman. I just have to remind myself that it's not Batman necessarily because he's he's an exaggerated, amalgamated, uh, almost new character that's not entirely Batman, even though he's based on Batman. He's like a parody of Batman. So I had to remind myself that this is not Batman. This is Batman parody. Um, and that's, that's what made me enjoy the movie more because there are certain scenes in the movie and I'm not going to spoil anything for people that haven't seen it because it's still out in theaters. But there are certain scenes, his relationship with the Joker, for one, I was like, well, this is silly. Yeah. Because this is, this is, this is nothing. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily care for Zach Galifianakis' take on the Joker. Uh, I know exactly what they were doing and exactly what they were going for. And I do I like I like what it is in and of itself. But again, I had to divorce myself from, oh, Batman would never do that. Like, that's that's what my brain kept doing. Mm-hmm. My brain kept <clears throat> jumping to the version of Batman that I like most and being like, well, my Batman wouldn't do that. Right. And then I would remember, well, this is not my Batman. And yeah. so I'm going to have to watch, I think, a few more times to really have that full concession of being like, okay, this is not my Batman, and it's not necessarily even Batman, but I'm totally cool with it.
1: What was the most recent uh, Lego Batman release before the Lego Gotham which, uh it was out last year?
0: As far as the movies Yeah, or- there
1: was it was a, a home
0: release. Oh, they have yeah, you they can- have the animated ones. I think Cosmic Clash might have been one of the most recent ones. There was
1: one ones. recently with um that um where they had somebody else's The Joker. Mm-hmm.
0: And the Joker escapes Arkham using a spoon. Um, oh, so that—that's—that's that's actually, uh, I believe, a movie that's all the cinematics from like Lego Batman Three gets like stitched together.
1: Okay, because I was gonna ask you if you'd seen that, what, um, what you thought of that joke, because that—that was a really silly Joker mm-hmm. um, versus this Zach Galifianakis. I think that may have been another one of those things where um, I know that uh, Rob Paulson talks about where they'll take hollywood actors for their name value mm-hmm. over a great you know voice actor but i'm wondering what you thought of the the difference of those jokes neither one of those jokers really rung as a joker for me
0: right right i think yeah like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like joker at all right uh it feels like a completely new character but i get i get why it was the joker why they made it the joker and i get why they did it and i had to keep reminding myself too this is a kids movie yeah like this is not necessarily made for me and yet there are so many things in it for me yeah uh so i i probably it, it's weird to say that i might not have liked it as much as a lot of people but that's because of my of my things and my attachment to the batman that is my batman that i bring into it that it's no fault of the movie the movie is wonderful and it is it is a fantastic movie Uh, it's just, it's my personal issues with my attachment to Batman that probably took a little bit away from it for me, but it is, it is a fantastic, wonderfully done movie with an excellent message. Um, and I did the other thing that the other criticism I will give is that, and I had this potential, I had this anticipation going into it that, uh, will Arnett's Batman, is a fantastic supporting character in the Lego movie. He's one of the funniest parts of the movie. Having him in that attitude and tone and vein for the entire movie is a little grating. Okay. I found it to be a little grating just because it is, it is one note very much. Yeah. The depth comes kind of at the end. Mm-hmm. So you see, you see the build and you see the development. And again, I understand why they did that. It makes sense for what they're doing. But that like constant one note is a little grating throughout the movie.
1: And I actually, admittedly, have not watched the entire Lego movie yet. So, oh, okay. that, so for me, I have to get through, not get through. I mean, if I start watching it, I'll it'll fly by. But um, so I've only seen him as the lead character. I haven't seen him as that supporting character in the Lego mm-hmm. movie.
0: I also, um, <laughs> sometimes an experience in a movie theater will taint. A little bit of a movie for oh, me so I totally do want to give I do want to give the caveat that like towards the end of the movie during like the most climactic scenes even though there were only like six other people in the theater there was this guy just standing up like I think one of his kids toys rolled under a seat and he had called an usher to come help him he's in like the road directly in front of me oh, and he's just standing in front of me blocking yeah. half the screen and I'm like are you kidding me this can all be dealt with after the movie right like, why now? Uh, and you're right in front of me. Like, there's no reason for you to be standing up. This can all be accomplished with you sitting down, not obstructing people's views behind you.
1: Theater etiquette. It's, as of late, like, could be a huge freak. We could spend
0: an hour on that freak out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It kills me. But <laughs> so so there are, I mean, there's several factors. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I, I do plan on seeing it again, Uh, and I almost guarantee you. That I will enjoy it more the next time I see it. Now that I've accepted what it is, uh, and that I, I know my personal things with Batman, I can kind of leave those at the door, I think, and <laughs> see it, see it even more open-minded the next time. I guarantee you I will enjoy it more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lego Batman. These are all going on longer than I thought yeah. they would, but it's fine. I, this is the part of the show that I enjoy. Uh So I saw a movie called Don't Think Twice. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I have not. Uh, this is a movie that came out this year uh, that was written and directed by Mike Berbiglia, who's wonderful. If you've ever seen Sleepwalk with me, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian. Uh, and it stars Mike Berbiglia, Gillian Jacobs, Kate Micucci, Keegan-Michael Key, Chris Gethard, and Tammy Sager. And you look at that cast right away and you go, comedic gold. Comedic gold wonderful group of people. The synopsis of the movie is that when a member of a popular New York City improv troupe gets a huge break, the rest of the group, all best friends, start to realize that not everyone is going to make it after all. So this is a movie about um an improv troupe where they're all they're basically like a family. I mean, you know from being in the pro wrestling business, we know what it's like to have like a family mentality Absolutely. amongst a group of entertainers. Uh, You lean on each other a lot, especially in wrestling, just like you would in improv. It's a different kind of safety. So like when in a pro wrestling family, you are legitimately putting your physical safety in the hands of other people. And there's a huge trust and a huge relationship that builds with you and the other people around you in an improv troupe. It's very much the same. However, it's more of an emotional safety. Like nobody's going to get killed or hurt or anything that badly in an improv show, but there are uh, psychologically and emotionally safeties that you have to give to and trusts that you have to put in other people to protect yourself on that stage.
1: Your best performances are going to come when you're vulnerable.
0: Absolutely. So if
1: you open yourself up like that, you're trusting people not to take advantage
0: of Mm -hmm. that. And a big part of movie of this movie is that emotional structure and that emotional support and that kind of family that you build during that. So then at, uh, at a certain point in the movie, one of the people in this improv troupe, even though everybody's been trying to make it for years and all has their own characters and all this other stuff, uh, there's like a parody of a Saturday night, live, uh, Saturday night live type show in the movie that I think they call like weekend live or weekend something. Uh, and one of the characters makes it on this show and for whatever reason, like it, it changes the entire dynamic. So when this person makes it, they're becoming more successful. They're becoming busier. Um, his girlfriend is also in the troupe with them, the improv troupe. Her uh, kind of reaction and reflection of what happens is very interesting. Uh, Mike Birbiglia's character is kind of like the leader of this troupe and the one who taught them all improv. So he's kind of that mentor character that's also been trying to get his shot on the show forever. So what happens when one of your students... Become like supersedes you and gets the thing you've been working your entire life for. Um, so there's all these different mechanics playing, playing out. So for people that have been in any kind of entertainment industry, like we have, this is even more interesting, uh, because we've seen all these dynamics at play before. We know we have friends that are on TV right now, which is crazy. And uh just kind of seeing the 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 jealousy of these characters and the support and then even just the uh I mean, we talked about this in our last episode uh when I was talking to Pumpkinberry is we talked about the concept of being super, super proud of someone and happy for them with their success and at the same time being incredibly jealous of their success because that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with those. Those feelings can both exist and not conflict with each other. You can be super happy and supportive of somebody and yet still be incredibly jealous of their success. They're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And this explores that too. So, uh, it's, it's a wonderfully done movie. Um, th- there were tears at the end. There's, there's some heartbreaking stuff. Uh, certain people can accept his success. Other people can't. And just watching the, the dynamic play out and the relationships play out through that is excellent. Um, There there was, I was even more interested in this movie and one of the reasons that I even sought it out is that uh, I get these opportunities every now and then to do interviews with people. And this was one where I was invited to both the premiere and to interview the entire cast. So I would have been able to interview Mike Berbiglia and Gillian Jacobs and Keegan-Michael Key. And I was super excited, except it was in LA. Yeah. And I couldn't, it was like LA <laughs> and like an LA m- like late morning on a work day. So, like, even if I could have gotten out to L.A., I have a job. So it's one of those opportunities that I'm super bummed I didn't have because I love all of those people. And I love this movie. And I would have been able to watch it right before I talked to them, which would have been super exciting, too. Uh And and in addition to that, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in what those review aggregation sites like Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes say, unless they're extremely on one side of the other. It's hard for something to get to one side or the other and not have it be somewhat true and from the critic side this has a 99% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes So if you're a movie fan, even this is a wonderful movie and it's produced really well It's written really well and it has great characters if you're someone in the entertainment industry It's going to be even more meaningful to you because you've seen all of this happen before. I highly recommend you watch this I think you would love this movie. Cool. Um the the fan rating on Rotten Tomatoes is 71%. So I think uh, I, I, can, I can almost guess the reasons why some people might not like it. But I can't say those here without ruining Spoiling a little things, something. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I understand why some people might not like it as much. Um, but it is a wonderful movie again called Don't Think Twice. Highly recommend people check it out if you're just a movie fan at all. We have a few news stories before we get to the interview today. So, uh, first of all, Fox's X-Men series has announced several cast members joining the pilot. The series will focus on two ordinary parents who discover their children possess mutant powers. Forced to go on the run from a hostile government, the family joins up with an underground network of mutants and must fight to survive. Stephen Moyer, star of the HBO series True Blood, is set to uh, play the character Reed Stewart who is described as an ambitious attorney trying to balance the demands of his job at the DA's office with his responsibilities to his family. Amy Acker will play the female lead in the role of Kate Stewart, a woman who is struggling with her separation from her husband Reed and her increasingly challenging teenage children. When her family situation takes a dark turn, she finds that she's stronger than she thinks. I love Amy Acker. She's wonderful. And uh, this is not her foray into Marvel, Marvel Fair. Because if you're uh, a viewer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she was the cello player that Coulson okay. had referenced so many right. times in the movies. And we see her actually come up in the series. Blair Redford will play Sam, who is described as the strong-headed Native American leader of the underground network. Jamie Chung will play Clarice Fong, better known as the mutant Blink, a sarcastic and lively tomboy with the power of teleportation. We saw Blink in... Um, Days of Future Past. Yep. She was the mutant that was teleporting all over the place. Blink is going to be in the series as well. Uh, Clarice's naturally strong exuberance has taken a hit after a sudden and traumatic upheaval of her life. As she as she adjusts to the new people and places that are suddenly home, Clarice is slowly becoming herself again. Sean Teo will play Marcos Diaz, also known as Eclipse, a new mutant to the X-Men universe who can absorb and manipulate photons. A natural rebel compelled by circumstances to cooperate with others. Marcos is a passionate and strong-willed fighter who sometimes lets his emotions overrule, uh, overrule reason. Finally, Natalie Allen Lind will play Laurel, one of the family's children who is described as smart, pretty, popular, organized, and already ahead on her college applications. Essentially the model of a perfect kid. So that is a lot of cast people set for the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has not yet been picked up for series, but with a cast like that and, um, I don't think it's being tied into the Fox X-Men universe. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe it is. I know that Legion is not right. Legion is not. But I think this actually might be. And they've talked a little bit about like there are certain avenues they're going to take to kind of circumvent people being like, well, where's Wolverine and where's Cyclops? And so they're going to kind of avoid that, I think, as they go through. But I'm interested to see it.
1: I don't know what I'm going to do with all these all these shows that I know I haven't I haven't watched one episode of Legion it's just
0: I haven't either it's just too much
1: right now my bandwidth is shot
0: I know I've wanted to it's just a time constraint I have no time for anything (laughs) it's funny like the busier I get I I want to do to do a lot of this stuff and do this podcast because I was like watching all this stuff anyway so we might as well talk about it now I'm spending so much time talking about it and doing stuff that that I don't have enough time (laughs) to watch the actual stuff and I'm like catch 22 I know it's it's killer I I don't know if you saw, uh, heard and I,
1: it's not a certain thing yet but there, mm-hmm. there's some suspicion at this point and um some conjecture that pierce brosnan might be cable i have heard this they, because they had the picture of him and hugh jackman and, and, ryan, and, reynolds. and ryan reynolds mm-hmm. and somebody responded saying you know please let him be cable yeah and the director was like you know you know, if we can get it signed or something like that, you know, we're trying or we're going to try and make it happen.
0: Yeah, so. there are so many rumors about yeah. who's playing Cable. We don't even know what to think at this point. Yeah, But I will say that uh, earlier today, prior to us recording this, and you may not have even seen it yet, there's a teaser out for Deadpool too. Ah, I have not seen it. It is wonderful. It's apparently attached to Logan. So if you go see Logan, you'll see it in the theater, which I've heard you will not be disappointed in. That's I've heard what I've heard.
1: Amazing things about that movie.
0: But, uh, 20th Century Fox did release today on YouTube. It's on, um, it's on our Twitter and it's in our Discord channel and I'll post it up on the site later. There is a Deadpool teaser out or Deadpool 2 teaser out Lovely. right now. Lovely. Warner Brothers television has announced that Alexander Siddig has been cast on Gotham in the role of one of Batman's greatest foes racial ghoul we're getting another take on Raish. Mm. gotham's take on the classic villain has a connection to another recent adversary as bruce pulls the veil off the court of owls he finds Raishao ghoul is the ign- uh, ign- uh, enigmatic and powerful man pulling in the uh, pulling the strings with his past shrouded in mystery Raish uses cunning and deception to lay waste to his foes as the leader of an international criminal organization known as the league of shadows the Demon's Head will prove himself to be Bruce's most dangerous adversary yet. Fans may recognize Alexander Siddig as the man who portrayed Dr. Julian Bashir on all seven seasons of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Dorn Martell on HBO's Game of Thrones. Mm.
1: I'll tell you, this Gotham's just taken right back off again in my opinion. Is it? They yeah, um <clears throat> they've really they're playing this whole thing with uh the potential Joker again, and mm-hmm. uh, and the gentleman they have playing that uh, is just, the guy who plays a, Jerome. Yes, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's so good. He he. I mean, if they give him the freedom to continue to doing do what he's doing, he really could be. He could put I mean, he could have some legs on this. His version of the Joker. It's it's just it's pretty. It's not. I wouldn't say it's fresh, but it it takes like the, the really cool aspects of the Joker of the Joker's that I've liked mm-hmm. and sort of rolled them into one. If that's where the way they're going with it, and I, I, I think they are, but again, they keep, you know, turning the channel. Like, oh no, maybe it's not him. They're not committing to it yet. But mm-hmm. um, it's certainly. I mean, they're building enough of a background where he could, you know, when, when, and if they turn to where Bruce Wayne becomes Batman on the show, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely enough. He never will. I don't think he will either. Mm-hmm. But even if you go to like, I think the last shot of the last show should be him donning the cowl for the first time. That's how it should end the series. Right, they'll do but, it
0: Smallville style, but we'll never see the costume or but, anything. We'll see like a silhouette.
1: There's so much already in place. There there's definitely reason why this why this character could be his ultimate, you know, his ultimate arch-nemesis. Mm-hmm. They they've already put a lot in place. So, yeah. um I I I love that show. I think it's really I it's the best thing I've heard about it when people complain about why it's not true to
0: canon is He's gearing up because I'm going to do it. <laughs> multiverse
1: (laughs) the multi it's the whole oh no it's 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 an elseworld it's an elseworld yeah yeah. i
0: get it i get it smallville was an elseworld and i loved smallville um but again it's i think it's the same thing that i said about the lego batman movie is that my attachment to batman and the canon and the batman that is my Mm -hmm. batman this is so far from my batman that it infuriates me
1: it was there mr freeze that did it It yeah it It was it was it was when they
0: (laughs) fucked up mr freeze and mr freeze is like my favorite batman villain (laughs) the animated
1: so was, mr freeze i mean well heart of ice is like that whole story and
0: and I mean like if we're you you, it's okay to break canon do your own thing animated series created that origin for Mr. Freeze absolutely he was kind of a goofy character before that and then they gave him this really good uh, background and a lot of depth and uh, meaningfulness to the character that wasn't there before
1: you didn't like with have an ice day no no (laughs) fuck no
0: Um, but I think I think Alexander Siddig is a fantastic casting for Ra's al Ghul and it almost makes me angry that he's going to be on a show that I'm not going (laughs) to watch like I'll enjoy (laughs) my one curiosity too though is are they gonna say raish or raz that's my because that's my biggest pet peeve with batman begins Mm -hmm. i think it's a fantastic movie but i hate that they say raz al ghul -Ghul, instead of raish al ghul -Ghul. it's raish it's raish we know it's raish on so many levels um but yeah i i won't see him ever play raish which is kind of sad but oh well Uh, Last news story today, (laughs) it looks like Steam is getting some competition as the Amazon-owned company Twitch is about to jump into direct game sales. Starting this spring, you'll be able to purchase games directly from Twitch. Below a channel you're watching, you'll see the option to purchase the game the streamer is playing if that content is available from Twitch. You can then download and play the game via the existing Twitch launcher desktop app or publisher services like Uplay. When you buy, if the streamer is a partner who has opted into the program, they'll get a 5% share of the revenue. So now you'll be able to support your favorite partnered streamers just by getting a game on their channel. Also, purchases will come with a special Twitch crate filled with random surprises. Any purchase over $4.99 will earn you one of these digital loot boxes, which will contain a special reward like a game-specific emote, a chat badge, or some bits. The contents of each crate are randomly generated, so you never know what will be inside. I know a certain Twitch channel that you should make your purchases through then. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not a partner yet. Not yet. <laughs> so uh, this is one more reason that I have to push for partnership is because when uh, when I eventually get it, and I will, uh, when I eventually <laughs> get partnership, <laughs> there, there will be a way to support the channel here by purchasing games by clicking that link underneath uh, what will be on every channel. So the link will be on every channel. But the support will only go to that streamer if they are a partner.
1: Until that time that you are bestowed that, then uh, support
0: friends of the show. Absolutely. Until then, we have some partnered friends of the show that you can absolutely support in the meantime. Uh, and I'm generally hosting them. So anybody I'm hosting, feel free to purchase the games that are on theirs. That is all for the bulk of the show. But we're not done just yet because, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we have a roughly 16, 17-minute interview. Uh, with Chin Han, who is in the upcoming Ghost in the Shell, and you will be able to listen to that right now. Hi, Chin. How are you?
2: Hi, Rob. I'm good. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: My pleasure. So first of all, looking at your career history up to this point, films like The Dark Knight, Independence Day, uh, Winter Soldier, you were on Arrow, and now the upcoming Ghost in the Shell you've done a lot of genre films and TV. Is that something that you had a particular goal for, or did your career just start <laughs> moving in that direction? Uh,
2: yeah, I, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a intentional direction. Uh, you know, I started out in the theater and I remember like the first few plays being pretty much the classics, you know, I did Moliere's uh, school for wives. I did 12th night with Shakespeare, uh, for, you know, Shakespeare's 12th night. And I, I think, uh, you know, it just somehow happened that my first American movie, uh, ostensibly was, was the dark Knight, mm. And that obviously opened, you know, uh very specific doors for, for any, uh, actors associated with that particular film, because it's such a seminal film in the, in the world of, uh, you know, uh, comic book uh, movies. So, uh, no, it wasn't intentional, you know, I'm happy to do, um, I'm happy to do uh, little independent movies about you know like a family of chefs, which I did with Michelle Yeoh called a Final Recipe, or or you know a movie about a family moving to Germany and a different sun, which I did like two years ago. So no, I'm happy. To, you know, it's it's just, it just happened that way, and you know it's it's very. I mean, when I look back on my career, it's also kind of. You know, it's kind of uh, uh, funny to me how, how it played out that way.
0: In that same vein, uh, while I've certainly seen you play a various type of characters, a lot of the other roles that I see you in are powerful individuals like businessmen, mobsters, military commanders. Uh, do you think that's the result of playing the role successfully when you did and then people wanting you to do it again? Or do you think that's maybe a vibe you give off as an actor and it feels natural to pull you into that?
2: Um, the... Well, I, you know, I, I think uh, these uh, troubled characters are more interesting to play, yeah. anyway, in general, uh, because you know I, I think they're, uh, especially like for example, the character of the chancellor uh, in uh, Marco Polo, um, that was, you know, multi-layered and, and complex, and somehow I'm, I'm just I think automatically drawn to these characters because. They're conflicted and, and flawed uh, human beings, um, so I, I think perhaps that's why you know these projects come to find uh, these projects find me as well as as much as I actually find these projects. You know, because I think uh, you know I just find I find them more uh, more interesting and more of a challenge to play. Really. Mm.
0: In in that the level of deepness, you said you like a, a more complicated character. Uh, I've heard you say that you choose your uh, projects based on director as well? Is that the most important factor for you or is it the depth of the character that you're going to be playing?
2: Well, it's a combination of factors. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the director, you know, the director obviously is, uh, you know, in film, I think the director is, you know, is the commander-in-chief, really. You yeah. know, in television, it's a little different, uh, but in film, it is, which is why, the, you know, when I look at film um film choices. I, I think the director is is paramount. Uh I after which I think um this you know I mean the screenplay is equally important as well because it's very hard to you know it's very hard to work off of a script that is not working. You know, I, I think uh I don't uh trust that I'm a, an actor of 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 such great ability that I can make a bad script work so I, I need the script to be in place and you know structurally sound and you know with interesting uh, you know characterizations and then after which I mean obviously who your co-stars are are going to determine your experience sure. on the film I mean, because you know when you do these films you're actually away for long periods of time right mm-hmm. and sometimes you're you're isolated and stuck in a place you know, you're isolated and not stuck in a place. I mean you're you're isolated and you find yourself in a place that's a little more uh that's further away, like Albuquerque or you find yourself in a place like Wellington New Zealand and and you're gonna have spent a lot of time with these people. So, you know, I mean I think uh <laughs> I think you know who you're gonna work with uh is is gonna be uh is one of those uh selling points for me as well when I decide on what I want to do.
0: Is um it is the people you work with. I imagine a movie set is a very close, almost kind of like maybe summer camp type of feel where you're together for this period of time and it's all very intense and then you kind of like go off in separate directions again. How often do you get to keep in touch with people that you've built these friendships with on a movie set? Or is it just a work thing and then you go off and find the next thing?
2: Well, it depends. You know, I mean, it depends. There there's some sets that are special you know, that, that, you know, the friends that you, you keep, uh, and you will keep for, for years to come. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what, uh, what it is about certain sets that, you know, that, that encourage that or or help with that. Um, you know, because obviously, I mean, I have been on, on movies where, I mean, after, after it's done, you know, you don't you know, you really don't stay in touch with most anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for example, the dark Knight, I, I have a few good friends from that movie. I mean, it's been 10 years and I still stay in touch with them. Uh, I go for, you know, coffees and lunch with them, if not on a weekly basis, you know, pr- pretty frequently. And, and, uh, 2012 as well, you know, the family that I, I, I got from, uh, from, 20, uh, roll 2012, you know, I, I've stayed friends with a lot of people on that movie as well. And and the people from Marco Polo. So, um, yeah, it's like summer camp and, uh, you know, hopefully you can stay friends, but you know, a lot of times because of the nature of our work as well, they have to be away somewhere. they have to be in Iceland shooting something while you're in Kazakhstan. Sure. sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Time differences and all that. uh, How often do you get to, uh, then maybe loop back around and bump into those people again?
2: Um, well, you know, it's it's surprising because you always do a movie and you're like, oh, Okay, see you on the next one, you know, and, and you you're just thinking you're got to be working together again for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't happen as often as one might think. You know, I mean Hollywood is a big, big place. Mm. Uh you know, you don't get to uh you don't get to work with uh, people twice. But when you do, I mean it's, it's such a it's such a joy. Uh I think like for something like uh Uh, 2012, you know, I got to work with Roland Emmerich again on Independence Day Research. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, meeting up with with him and the producers, Larry Franco, you know, uh, Harold Closer. I mean, it was was like meeting family again, even though we hadn't worked together for, you know, we hadn't worked together for, what, five years, I think? Mm -hmm. Uh, Six years, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't happen as often as you think, uh, the looping. Back yeah yeah <laughs> and work together again,
0: yeah I guess from the outside, it looks like Hollywood's a much smaller place where it would look very different from the inside, like that,
2: yeah, 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 no, but uh you know I mean it's become such a global business anyway, you know, I mean, I think that you know you have actors and directors coming from uh you know from Europe, you have actors and directors coming from Asia, you know and uh and it it really is you know diverse. Uh, it's a very diverse uh, community at this point in time, which is good. You know, I think ultimately it's good for the for the business because uh, it will then be reflected in the in the work and in the uh, in the movies that that, that we make.
0: Sure. Uh, In regards to working on TV versus film, uh, I've seen you do some stuff in Arrow, and you had your recent run in uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, What are some (laughs) of the major differences that uh, the general public might not be aware of, or are they roughly the same when you're working on TV versus film?
2: Well, uh, TV is... uh, TV is... uh it's a marathon I think. <laughs> because you know if, if you do a season know a season that is 20 over episodes long or if you do it in a series that's 10 episodes long which is what i did for marco polo it's still a very long period of time to be working on something and also the the pace of shooting is so much faster uh i think like for example you know you you, you can shoot effectively I guess four or five scenes a day for, for TV. I think that's easy. Um, but, um, with film, for example, an action set piece, you know, an action set piece and goes in the show might take at the end of the day, uh, days, you know, yeah. two weeks to shoot, you know, one, one scene. you know, so, so, uh, you have the luxury of that. So I think, uh, with film is more, uh, compact, I think it's like a high performance, uh, uh, athlete that, you know, working, working in film, you know, you, 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 you just, you start and then you barrel all your, you know, you barrel your way through to the end. Uh, whereas in, in film, you really just, you, you just got to pace yourself and just keep going <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for a much longer period of time, you know?
0: is there one that you prefer over the other or is it kind of two sides of the same coin?
2: Well, I like, uh, I like the idea of the limited series because it is somewhere in between film and television. Mm. Uh, it is, it is long enough for you to really kind of allow storylines to unfold in in an organic manner and a more comprehensive manner. It is also long enough for your characters to be, you know, fleshed out in a way that is satisfying for an actor. Um, you know, because sometimes with with film, you know, you you, you need to rely on uh, some the short, uh, some you know shorthand for for fleshing out your your character because you have one and a half hours or two hours to do it. Um, so the limited series is I you know I, I really like that form because it's not as long as a twenty episode arc, which is <laughs> which is to me you know very very uh, it's, it's it's very it requires a lot of uh, uh, stamina and a lot of uh, absolutely uh, engagement. Uh, so the you know I think right right in the middle is is the limited series, which I love, you know which I have enjoyed working on.
0: Excellent. Um, I don't want to go the whole time without talking about why we're here, which is of course Ghost in the Shell. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is coming up next month, very soon, or actually this month, I should say. Now that it's the the first here, yeah. um, what yeah. familiarity did you have with the source material going into this?
2: Well, I I was familiar with the source material because you know I grew up with a love for Rocky novels, uh, whether they were from the east or west. You know, I mean, I think I was uh, very uh, very uh, influenced by um, by Frank Miller and Alan Moore's works. I think that that had a profound effect on me. And then uh, going to the anime uh, world of you know of Ghost in the Shell and uh, Akira, you know, the manga, I mean that that stuff was really great for me, especially all those things came out in the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was a teenager and you know how teens are, you know, I mean you just you just consume this stuff like
0: Oh yeah, they're formative <laughs> years. Yeah, that's what you kind of latch onto, sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think it was just you know, it's uh, you know, it's the right timing as well, right? I mean, I think you know, this stuff was coming out in the eighties. I was in my teens. You know, hormones raging, and you know, <laughs> you're looking at all the very provocative artwork and provocative stories. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think um, I, I was, you know, very influenced by them. So, when the opportunity came uh, to do it, you know, I jumped on it because, you know, at the same time, you know, it's 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 rare, you know, that uh, that such opportunities come around because you know, they're so hard to, um, they're so hard to make, Mm, (laughs) you know, because you're translating something from uh, panels in a graphic novel, Mm. right? Or from animation into live action. And that that requires, you know, a fair amount of of skill and, and attention to detail.
0: And probably just took a long time to even get to that point visually where we're now we can do it and they can actually represent that in a live action film.
2: Yes, yes. No, absolutely. I mean, because, yeah, you know, I, I saw the uh, I was at the fan event yesterday uh, at Universal uh, CityWalk and uh, watching the stuff. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean. Uh, maybe even a decade ago, I don't think, you know, we would have been able to do some of these things. Mm. And it was, uh, it was very immersive and, you know, it was stunning to look at.
0: And to, uh, to kind of wrap things up, how much, uh, do you pay attention then since you were familiar? Um, how much do you pay attention to the previous incarnations when shaping your particular take on your role?
2: Well, um, you, you basically, uh, Take uh, for me, basically, you take Shirō's uh, graphic novel uh, manga yeah. as the jumping-off point, and then obviously, it, it the the iterations are so different. Anyway, you know, I mean, if you look at Oshi's work, or Kamiyama's standalone complex, or even the new arise, even character design-wise and how they're animated, is so different. You know, uh, uh, you know, I would say that when you're looking at the character and, you know, when I'm discussing it with Rupert Sanders, he's our director, we we try to get into, we try to capture the spirit of it. So, Mm. you know, instead of being a literal translation from the, you know, from the, you know, from the picture to, to, to the live action, uh, instead of being literal, we, we want to capture the spirit of the character. So for example, when we were looking at costume design and stuff, I went through like a whole bunch of watches, you know, uh, digital watches to decide on which would best be suited for uh, a Oh, wow. And uh, I found one that was so, you know, that, that Rupert loved as well. I mean, I found one that was so cool and it was something from the 80s, something I grew up with. It's a Casio uh, calculator watch.
0: Oh, no way. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> so you know, I mean, honestly, who needs that now with with mobile phones, right? Yeah, but it's so cool. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we we found it, and and whether you see in the movie or not, really doesn't, you know. I mean, it it you know uh, doesn't matter, but it I, I it matters, but it doesn't matter because it helps, you know, it helps capture the spirit of the of the of the character, and uh, it just felt good wearing it, you know.
0: That's amazing. I'm so, that's I love that little uh, nugget of information. Um, what else can we plug for you? Uh, social media, anything like that, where fans can reach out to you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, on. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at uh, at
0: excellent fantastic thank you so much for taking the time it was an absolute pleasure talking to you awesome
2: thanks
0: uh ghost in the shell is hitting theaters on march 31st and we are so much looking forward to it thank you
2: yeah i hope you guys enjoy it thank you
0: thanks again to chin for joining us again ghost in the shell hits theaters on march 31st go check it out final thought or something you would like to plug matt west just support the show in any way you can um
1: you know, Rob's really trying to get you know the podcast back on track and, you know, it's a lot of fun and take part in it, interact with it. Uh, I was a listener and now I'm, you know, I come in and co-host and that doesn't mean that you can as well. So
0: uh you're not the first one either. No, well, definitely. you might be the first one, but you're not the only one. No,
1: no. And and through that I've gotten to know a lot of really great people. So, uh we're not just, you know, people who broadcast, but we're a community of people who are like-minded with geek culture and have, you know, I've made some some new friends
0: through it. So, uh support the support the geek generation. There's a reason we're called the geek generation. It's about everybody. It's not just about us. Head on over to thegeekgeneration.com to check out everything else we do. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can watch live podcasts, cooking, and gaming at twitch.tv thegeekgeneration. You can support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com support. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then. Later.
2: make it so.